Chilly. It is cold outside. It's not great. No. It's not just fantastic. It's cold rain. It's not even fun snow no. like winter wonderland. It's no. gross. No recess today for the children. No recess. A lot of schools are closed. What? A lot of s- in uh, the western side of the state. Seriously? Are closed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Well, your kids aren't in school anymore. Well, that's true. Yeah. A lot of schools are closed. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are open, you're right, will not be outside for recess today. TGJW in the house, the great Jim Wyatt from TitansOnline.com. I appreciate that. Welcome. I'm Is that a worthy. hashtag yet? <laughs> TGJW? Yes. No. Should the be. G and the J next to each other are hard. TGJW? Yeah. I think it's great. Okay. Well, we'll get it going then. We'll Hashtag we'll TGJW. <laughs> well, people have asked all week, has this been a happy week around St. Thomas Sports Park? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could lie. Go, oh, no. It's just. <laughs> another week. It's another week. Wrong. Good win. Fun win. Exciting win. I think it's probably more. Well, I, I know. More excitement outside the building. Then inside the building, even though there's a good feeling, you beat the team that's been the dominant team for the last 18 years in the NFL, and you beat them decisively. That's a good thing, and it, get, it picks up your step. But I think for the fan base, it means so much that it, it's so exciting in that way for them, Jim, and it's great to see Titans fans so excited. It is. I mean, it was, and it was, as you mentioned, a convincing win and uh, one that got the nation's attention here inside the building. Obviously, people excited, but then you quickly get your focus to the Colts because this team has not beaten Andrew Luck since he's been quarterback of the Colts. We all, yeah, we all know what kind of a challenge is ahead. So it's not like, uh, okay, you celebrate and then kicking your feet up and watching cartoons all week. I mean, it's. It's back to business. Uh, it, it is nice to beat the New England Patriots. I think for the fan base, you know, that stuck with this team, it's a great reward for them. And I think any time uh, when you're there in the stadium, and there were a couple of uh, Patriots fans, I happen to notice a few in the stands myself. Uh, it's nice when you have kind of reclaimed home field advantage, which this team has done, and you're sending fan bases like the Packers a couple of years ago or the Eagles earlier this year or the Patriots this year. You have to hear a lot of stuff, a lot of junk uh, uh, from opposing teams' fan bases when they come in because they want to make a lot of noise and celebrate. And I think as a Titans fan, I, I can't help but think some of those people enjoyed uh, smirking a little bit, if not uh, offering a few words to some of these people heading out the door. Uh, and I've heard that some of them didn't behave real well. I saw you got one young lady tearing up the Titans flag that they gave up for free up and for no reason, just tearing it up, putting her teeth teeth. into it. It was just uh, disrespectful. I saw that video. (laughs) It looks like she's from here. I do not think she's from here. I do think she needs a good dentist. If anyone is listening, (laughs) she there's no way she woke up the next morning and her teeth weren't a little sore. It, yeah, see, it's making your teeth yeah, hurt just thinking about, teeth it. Hurt thinking about it. <laughs> it's kind of what, you know, back uh-huh. in the day when uh, when I guess uh-huh. a couple of guys uh, stepped on the terrible towel, they said that was Titans got what was coming to them later because of, you can't mess with a terrible towel. We saw what happened when this lady uh, tore into this Titans flag. With her teeth. Not a good look. I think like that was bad bear. karma for the Patriots. Yeah. Why would you do that? I don't know. I mean, the initial... I mean, other than alcohol, I yeah, mean, I, th- I, I would guess was probably involved. Yeah, and the initial tearing of it with her hands, I get the statement you're trying to make. It kind of riled the people up. But then she, like, really went into it. And it was more of, like, an animal thing at that point that it was just getting the crowd stirred up. And that's when you lost me. I mean, please don't hurt our flag anyway. Right. But if you're going to do it and make the statement, all right, I get it, Woohoo! yeah. You showed but, us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, once you start, like, eating it, and then it, the rips aren't I'm as sure big. A lot, I'm sure a lot of the Patriots fans, when they saw that part, they're at first they're like, oh, this is great, and then they're like, 
what are you doing? You've got to yeah. know when to stop. Right. Yes. You know, like read the audience just a little right. bit. Right. The th- showmanship was yes, lost. It was. Yeah. And I think it backfired on her because I don't know if you guys noticed, you know, parts of that flag kind of blew away. And then I didn't notice to watch the replay that P- Tom Brady actually tripped over a piece of that uh, <laughs> uh, flag when he was trying to, to run after catching that ball. I don't think she realized that. <laughs> Uh, that's that's what actually tripped him up was a piece what, of that Titans time, flag. What time is it? Yeah. It's nine oh five. It's nine oh five ten. We have the first. Oh, look at the picture. Wait, easy. There he is. He's trying to get easy the flag now. out of his out of his cleat. We have the first Tom Brady running shot. Oh, and there I mean, will be a couple. You could. There's uh, so little you can make fun of Tom Brady about. Yeah. Period. I mean, the guys. 41 years old, eight Super Bowls, five world championships, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. He's married to a supermodel. The two of them together last year made a reported $83 million. When you watched him warm up the other day, whether you're a Titans fan or a a Patriots fan, whomever, you're sitting here going, my goodness. This is really something to watch one of the greatest of all time. It's an honor. It's one of the reasons we're so excited to have uh, the NFL here in Nashville is seeing these kind of players. I remember when we saw Brett Favre and when John Elway played here in a preseason game. I mean, just exciting. But the running thing is not not so good. No, I, I mean that's not what he does best. That's but for like, sure. But like seeing Logan Ryan just bring him to the ground like well, that. Well, I'm gonna tell you about that. The, the oh. call, take out, take out the whole thing about Logan Ryan and the tackle itself on the last play of the half. I love, I love blitzing the hail mary. Yeah. I don't understand why more people don't do that. Just let him sit back there and, and wait for his guys to get down there in great position, and then you've got a chance to complete that play. I'm with you on that. I think because that you can't, blows because it up. Because the guy doesn't have a chance to set his feet and make a good throw. He's going to have a hard time getting the ball to the end zone in the first place. I love that call. I, I just thought, thank you for finally doing that. Instead of dropping eight guys – who are liable to just bump into each other and right. hand the ball to the other team. Mm-hmm. Why not send five, try to outnumber them, and make the guy throw it before he wants to? I was Dean Pease. If Matt LaFleur had a great day calling plays, Dean Pease really had a great day calling yes, plays. Yes, he did. Agreed. Yep. I mean, especially th- their decision to attack Tom Brady, mm-hmm. unheard of. Oh, yeah, and, and – uh, they were so precise. Not that they don't coach these guys up and not precise in what's being taught on the practice field every week, but we watched practices this week, and it was pretty intense, and it was pretty uh, – if, if it wasn't done right, okay, we're doing it over. You know, it was making sure guys were lined up. It was uh, – you know, this team was prepared for this I game. I think it goes like mm-hmm. this. Run it again! Mm-hmm. <laughs> With a couple expletives. No, not, not – yeah. you could get that, but uh, that's <laughs> – that's become the favorite. Run it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I talked to Logan Ryan after the game, and he said that the guys on defense were so excited about the way that Dean Pease called that game and that they had talked about getting pressure on him, on Tom Brady, but that they were just having such a good time and that Dean Pease's familiarity with the Patriots helped. And But, gosh, they were just having fun. Well, they were all over the place. Mm -hmm. Most teams sit back and say, okay, we just hope he doesn't really go after us. He doesn't torture us, all of this. But instead, the Titans chose to take the fight to Brady and the Patriots, and he made several throws that were way off target. He got hit a lot. He got sacked three times. What I wonder, Jim, and this was one game. It doesn't mean anything. The Patriots may win their last six regular season games, may win Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, and this is just one thing. But on the other hand, the other scenario is do other teams take this template and try to go at the Patriots the same way? I can see that, uh, but I expect Brady, you know, just like he's done throughout his career, is to have an answer and for the Patriots to have an answer. I, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that he's done. I mean, he was flustered. There's no question about it on Sunday. He couldn't get rid of the ball fast enough on a lot of plays. He did, you know, was off target on a lot of those throws. You could tell he was yapping at his – uh, at his linemen and, and his receivers, just like the Titans defense wanted him to do. Uh, but I do think that there will be an answer, and I, and I expect New England to 
to get themselves in a position to make another sure. uh, run at a Super Bowl again. And hopefully this team will get a chance to, to play them again uh, in a game that re- that means even more. So uh, uh, if there's a counter, uh, they'll find it. Yeah, they'll find it. And they'll have the week off to study themselves. Their schedule is very favorable. They'll have Gronkowski back. And let's make the point. I don't know if you can do all those things defensively in terms of attacking with your linebackers if Gronkowski's in the lineup. Yeah, because he's a guy that you, you dump it off to or just throw it up to him, and he's going to go up and get it. Sure. Uh, and you've got to be more wary of him uh, as a defense. Well, you can't send guys because of that. So I, I, I do agree. Uh, you know, I know I heard a, from you know saw a lot of chatter uh, about the fact Gronkowski didn't play, you know, coming from – Patriots uh, fan base. It was pretty outspoken on social media. But uh, you've got to remind them, you know, Delaney Walker, this team's playing without his top tight end, too, and is, man- and is now starting to manage that. Uh, so they weren't at full strength. I don't think this team was at full strength either. Let me stop for just a second. I want to talk a little bit more about the offense in the Patriots game. But I want to ask you about Delaney Walker and what he said in the locker room uh, about about his status can you kind of update people here on the otp about that yeah and he's still in a walking boot he still has a ways to go but he is making progress from an injury that suffered in week one as we all know uh you know he is optimistic moving forward about his chances of playing in 2019 to beg the question well what happens if you're in a position or is there a possibility you could be in a position to play this season if the season continues on and uh, and especially extends into the playoffs and he you know he didn't make any promises but he certainly wasn't ruling it out either and you can tell he's it it, it motivates him to get as healthy as he possibly can just in the scenario that would happen I mean he he says hey I've got a ways to go doctors are happy about what they've seen from me if there's a chance that I can play I will play and uh, so we'll just have to kind of monitor that one as he goes it's it's hard to uh, get too optimistic about that when you still see him in a walking boot and still know how far he has to go but uh, I guess you never rule it out especially if this season goes into uh, January and, and deep into January and don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves but as long as the season goes I guess it opens up to chance of him playing more can you imagine the Tennessee Titans hosting a playoff game at Nissan Stadium. Yes. And Delaney Walker runs through the tunnel. I don't know if I can. That's almost too much for me And then there's fireworks (laughs) that go off. Now you're going to tell me that I made $83 million last year. No, you didn't. Not in this scenario. But it's a night game. It's cold. Everyone's excited. I can't even go there. I am so fired up right now just in my own brain. I can't go there. I I can't. I live there right now. I cannot allow that. But what I can't allow is talking about the offense. Matt LaFleur's day, Marcus Mariota's day, spreading the ball around. How many guys are involved? I've got it right here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, if you include Marcus Mariota. Eight different guys were targeted just for the Tennessee Titans. That's crazy. And then one, two, three, four different guys had rushing yards, including Marcus Mariota again. We had – Technically, two quarterbacks with Darius Jennings. I mean, that's the whole offense. There you go. Everybody got, was involved. And what about that Corey Davis? Corey Davis had a day. That Corey Davis, you know, and I, I love seeing him get his confidence and his, his swagger back. And uh, and I, even though he didn't have the huge number against Dallas, he had a very effective game there as well. I think what you like seeing is uh, guys like Cameron Batson, you know, kind of finding a role in this offense. And a guy like Anthony Ferkser making a big catch. I think what uh, that's something Matt LaFleur has done such a good job of and, and Marcus in finding these guys is, is getting other players involved and, uh, and that – you know, certainly b- both those guys I mentioned, the, the last two I mentioned, Bass and Furcher, kind of bring a different element uh, to this offense. What I love about Davis is how fierce he's playing with the combat catches, as Coach Mack likes to call them on Titans Radio, mm-hmm. winning the one-on-one battles, winning off the line of scrimmage, now being more assertive, saying you're not going to hold me. And you said it, Jim, his six for 58 on Monday night against Dallas was almost as effective as his 7 for 125 against New England 
because of when the catches came. It, it, you, you know, you love a 25-yard touchdown catch where you make a, a great play in the end zone, but on third and seven, an eight-yard catch for a first down is important too. Yeah, and, and certainly this team needed it, and that's, that's why this team's been so effective is because you've been able to keep drives alive on third down, and you've got a guy you can depend on that's going to catch it. I think – uh, you know, sometimes early on, and this guy's still very young. I mean, sure he missed he so much of last season. You know, there were times you can tell even by his body language that he's, you know, not sure of himself or, or gets a little down on himself or uh, maybe doesn't have the confidence that uh, that you need at that position. Those are things that I saw from him in the past. Now you don't see that anymore. I, mean, I see him now, and I see a guy who, who says, hey, I'm going to go up and get this ball. I'm going to make this catch. I'm going to run through you. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to win this one-on-one battle, and uh, that's that's a great sign moving forward. Well, I like the thought that Awuze was covering him Monday night, who's a good corner. Gilmore is covering him on Sunday, who's a good corner. And yet he still took the challenge of saying, I'm going to win. Right, absolutely. I, I'm winning. It doesn't matter. Okay, so they're going to set their defense to stop me. Good for you. I'm still going to go catch the football. That's what a – Number one receiver in the NFL does, and let's face it, it's been a long time since the Tennessee Titans have had that dude who just said, put the neon on me, do whatever you want, I'm going to go get the ball, good luck to you. Well, and we're finally seeing Corey use his body more. He is a big dude, he is is a a tall dude, and he... It has been stretching and reaching and grabbing and jumping and doing everything that he can. He had some of those one-handed catches that we've seen him do time after time. He's doing everything that he can to get people off of him and to get that ball in his hands. Well, if they're going to hold you, knock them off. Yeah, fine, let's go. Yeah, I mean, if that's going to be the case, Mm -hmm. then then you – I mean, I think that's what they went to him about during the bye. They said, you have to win. There is no choice here. You have to win. You have to make plays if this offense is going to be what we want it to be. Yeah, and I think he loves having that on him. I mean, this is a young receiving core. You look around. I mean, Taewon Taylor, second-year guy, obviously didn't play in this game. Tajay, he's a second-year guy for all intents and purposes. Didn't He was on our last year. Batson's young. You know, Jonu Smith, who, who continues to play well as a young guy. Uh, with with Rashard Matthews gone, with, you know, the Harry Douglas of the world, you know, from, from past years gone. Uh, somebody, no matter wh- where you are in the status or games played or, or years played, has got to uh, rise up and be the leader of that group. The number, you know, fifth overall pick of the draft has got to be that guy. And uh, I think he embraces that, uh, even though he's a guy that still doesn't say much. I mean, he prefer probably not to do interviews in the locker room. He just wants to go out and play. But uh, I think he has really his presence and just the swagger that he has and the way he plays – Sets a tone no matter how much he says. No doubt. And then you've got defensive players, and Coach was quick to credit guys like Jarrell Casey and Brian Arakpo, who made plays and showed up. But as this defense continues to take the step, what we're really seeing is the buy-in of the philosophy and these leaders buying in, which means the young guys are going to buy in. Absolutely. And – it gives them the opportunity to have that depth that they want because even when the young guys take the field, the young guys start taking those snaps, they've got the older guys there to help them, to coach them. So you don't need a coach on that person constantly. You have the older guys making sure that everyone falls in line. So at the beginning of the year when we heard Brian Arakpo say, I'm not trying to take every snap this year on defense – they're able to actually have that now and have right. that rotation because there's an older guard there to make sure that the younger guys are ready to go. Well, but what we've seen over the years out of really good defenses that I've I've admired have been defenses that make you go the long, hard way, and that's because they're always going to be in the right place, which means sometimes you beat them, sometimes you catch, catch a pass or make something happen, but you don't have the busts. So you're not giving up the big plays time and time again, and eventually a guy like Arakpo is going to get you. He, he's going to get, you know, if okay, you made a first down, good for you. You cool. made another first down, good for you. You made another first down, good for you. Well, now you just took a five-yard loss and you're facing second and 15. Now what happens? I think that's where this team has gone from 22 points allowed per game to under 17 points allowed per game 
because their positioning and their responsibility is being handled so much better they're giving up less of the big plays. Yeah, and I, I'm going to try to find a quote here from Frank Reich on the conference call yesterday, the Colts head coach who was raving about the Titans' defense and how multiple they are and how they do more than any team in the league that he's seen from a defensive standpoint and said it's remarkable how they haven't had more bust and that you have to earn everything that you get against this team. Uh, so, and, and one player, you know, as, we, as we see him crawling there, Wesley Woodyard, his performance on Sunday earned him AFC Defensive Player of the Week. That's Coaches funny. Went right back, there, by the way. <laughs> went back and tallied his numbers. His numbers were impressive in the final game book, but then when the coaches looked at the tape, and that's why there's a discrepancy on maybe what the league's numbers were for him in giving out that award and what the team numbers were, but 12 tackles, one and a half sacks, five quarterback pressures, and uh, he was all over the place. And you're talking about guys that buy in and kind of guys that lead the way. I think Wesley Woodger's right at the front of that group. But you look at the two games, too, overall from the Dallas and, and New England, and you say, okay, Jarrell Casey hasn't had a sack. You know, Jarrell Casey, you know he's had 11 quarterback pressures. That sounds about right. So, I, I mean, what he's doing is he's kind of LeBron James, Jamesing it. He's making other people better because he's stirring things up. They're having to be worried about him. That's what a great player does. Yeah, and, and, he, and he doesn't mind if he does not get any attention. And, and, and that replay what we saw of everybody just kind of nipping at Brady's heels, that's what you want to have doing. And he was, he was dodging guys on so many plays. Even when he wasn't getting sacked and getting to the ground, he was – all out of sorts because he was worried about who's coming from my left, who's coming from my right, how am I going to get rid of this ball without taking another hit. And uh, Casey, you know, if you don't think he was involved, there's a great picture I know with him laying on top of Brady uh, after, at the end of, Brady's end not of one crazy, play. Probably not crazy about that. No. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> so Woodyard is the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. He is. But the Titans Defensive Player of Note, which is the player of the game, was actually not Woodyard. Nope. It's funny no, we've it mentioned so many people. Adoree we haven't Jackson. mentioned this guy yeah. yet. Yep. Yep. Adoree, Adoree Jackson. Jackson. He was the one that everyone looked to and said he did what he was supposed to do. He he was the real MVP of the game, even if you didn't hear his name that much throughout the game. Which shows you how strong his defense is because we've, we've spent so much time talking about so many other players, and, and this is the first mention of Adoree here. And uh, he was gr- I thought he was just up in – Gordon's face throughout the game, even when he made a, a catch, he was right there to get him on the ground. Uh, you know, Mike Vrabel said he played like a number one corner, and uh, I thought the entire secondary played well. I mean, guys, we mentioned Logan Ryan. I thought he played extremely well. Malcolm Butler, you didn't hear from him much. Kenny Vaccaro made a statement with an early hit. Kevin Byard, you kind of know what you're going to get from him. It's, it's an all-around defensive performance, and, and it's, we're starting to see that more and more uh, week in and week out. Adoree Jackson, three punt returns, 42 yards in the ball game. Boy, that's going to be something tough this week. This season, the Colts have given up only 13 punt returns for 55 yards. So if Jackson breaks one this week, which he – should have done, according to the special teams folks. And mm-hmm. the Titans thought they were very close. It'll be tough to do this week against the Colts, but Adoree gives you that weapon. It just slightly changes that field position. Even three punt returns for 42 yards, just flipping it ever so slightly makes a difference because that's one less first down that you have to get in field goal range, one less first down that you need to, to make a play overall. Um, to, you know, go score a touchdown, whatever, certainly a good thing. Logan Ryan, a hero of this game. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Butler, a hero of this game. Lots and lots of heroes. But let's get on now to a new feature of our program. I'm so excited about One this. One that Amy Wells is excited about. Maybe Mars Pet Products could actually end up <laughs> sponsoring this. This is Petco. our major <laughs> moment of the game. Our major moment of the game, and there he is. That's my, Mike's dog, Major. That's my dog, Major. <laughs> Looks like he's fired up about it. He's fired that. up. He's he, really he was tired after Sunday's game. He's kind of beaten yeah. down. I, do we have one Do we have one where he's wearing the hat, where no. he has the hat? We don't have that one yet? No. Okay. We'll work on it. So the major moment of the game. Am I going to go first with a major moment of the game, or are you yes, going to Yes, you first? should, although can we uh, – the dog's gone. Oh, man. That's a dog on shame. The shameless – Well, there he is. Dog on shame. He's back. <laughs> 
I really like There's it. There's Major. My I, two we and need and more cuteness on this show. My, my two and a half year. Well, I mean, it's isn't that what social media is today? Is when in doubt, work a dog in. Yeah, puppies. Yes. Puppies or a hash, and some kind of would be a good hashtag from major, just just major moment. Yep, yeah, that's pretty simple right there. Mm. You're pretty good at that. Hashtag major thing. moment. He's going to become a, a huge star. Not that he needs any more attention. All right, so my major moment of the game came with two minutes remaining in the first half. Okay. All right, two minutes remaining in the first half. The Titans face third down and two at the 11 yard line of the Patriots. If they don't convert the first down. They kick a field goal. They go up 20-10, to 10, and the Patriots get the ball back with roughly a minute 45 and two timeouts. Instead, they throw to Anthony Ferkser, yes. a guy who was a tryout player back in the spring, makes a great catch around Devin McCourty. One play later, the Titans rush for a yard. New England takes a timeout. The next play, the Titans score. So instead of 20-10 to – with New England getting the ball back with a minute 48 and two timeouts, it's 24 to 10. The Patriots get the ball back with a minute nine to go and just one timeout. Listen, the Patriots would have kicked a field goal if they have the two timeouts in a minute 48 because the Titans would have played off not wanting to give up a big play. Right. It would have been a one-score game, totally different game at halftime. Yep. But because of what Ferkser did, this is Anthony Ferkser. Yep. On the practice squad, what a catch, what a call, and my major moment of the game. I get that. That was a big play from, mm-hmm. the, What's a big from play? the Harvard mm-hmm. guy. Uh, my major moment from the game came earlier, and uh, the Titans obviously got a touchdown early on uh, the Marcus Mariota pass to John U. Smith, which followed the Darius Jennings return. And I think at that point, you know, everybody figured, okay, great start for the Titans. But Patriots come down, and get a field goal, and I, and what the Titans did next kind of said, "Hey, I see your field goal, raise your touchdown, and uh, go to to Corey Davis for a 23-yard touchdown, which made it 14 to three, and kind of I think set a tone that hey, this is no fluke. You know, we're in this game to win it, and uh, I think certainly there's a sign of things to come for Corey Davis. I kind of think that's what jump started. Uh, the, the first touchdown was big, but I think that kind of let people know." Okay, Titans here to play today. And he's being held. Yeah, he is. And the other thing that needs to be pointed out, the play before that one, Dante Hightower knocked Deion Lewis for a five-yard loss. Mm -hmm. That was a second and 15 play. Yep. If that pass is incomplete, it's third and 15. You're probably kicking a field goal, and it's only 10 to three right there. So Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. Amy Weld's major <laughs> moment of the game. My major moment is a little bit different. You guys had some nice ones that had huge implications. Mine's a little petty, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so in the fourth quarter, third and seven, Julian Nettleman decides that he is going to throw the ball to Tom Brady. Former college quarterback Julian Edelman. Yeah, whatever. Tom Brady goes out. He receives the ball. He's running. He's trying to get that first down. Boom. Falls down. Nope. Nope. There he goes. Yep. Just falls down. There's a little flag. There's a little piece of flag that mm-hmm. was down there on the field yep. that got kind of gone. He got just, I mean, he catches it. Oh, nope. There he goes. Yeah, and that's... down he goes. So then, what did the Tennessee Titans do when they get the ball back? Well, they run a similar play. The exact same play, actually. Darius Jennings to Marcus Mariota. Oh, for 21 yards. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> 30 seconds later in the game, they do it. It was so good. It was so good. It made me happy. I thought that it was the perfect, we see what you're doing, we'll raise you one. You so, stuck it to him just a little do bit. Do you think that means that Darius Jennings is a better quarterback than Julian Edelman or Marcus Mariota is a better receiver than Tom Brady? Both. I think that Marcus Mariota's hips are intact, so that might help a little bit. You're making an age comment. I wonder, did the play sequence please you more, or did the comment by Mike Vrabel after the fact please you more? Well, play the comment, and then we'll discuss. You had the double reverse pass. What goes through your mind when that play called? Well, I wanted to see if it looked any better than there, so. (laughs) And did Marcus catch it better than Tom did? He got up quicker than Tom did. I know that. See, even the head coach made an age comment. Come on. 
It was just the fact that it was right after the fact that Marcus looked so good doing it and Tom looked so See, mm, I I got no sad. I got nothing out of that the same way. Gosh, I, it made me so I just, happy. I like the fact that it's 27-10 right there. And the Titans head coach said, we're putting this thing away. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to the house right here. We're going to throw that, the reverse pass. We're going to run the option. And then we're going to run the Wildcat at the goal line. We are mm-hmm. winning the game right here. We are not just trying to run three plays and punt and go into prevent defense and let this thing. I, I mean, he, he has the guy in the corner. Mm-hmm. The referee's not going to stop the fight. So you either knock him out or the round ends and you keep playing. And and he chose to go for the knockout. I love it. And that's that's the same. That's how he is about going for two in London. Right. That's how he is about being in a situation against Philadelphia where he has fourth and two and instead of kicking the field goal. I mean, this is who he is. Mm-hmm. Get used to it. Get ready. You can evaluate the good, the bad, and the indifferent. But this is Mike Vrabel. Mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel is going to play for the knockout, I think, every time. Yeah, and it was it was a funny moment. I mean, the only thing that would have made it better if Marcus would have stood up and maybe given a little dab, uh, <laughs> d- dabbing oh, over toys. You guys happen. are so bad. <laughs> That's not going to happen. You are so offended by the woman eating the flag. By the way, can we see the major moment graphic yeah, one more time? Yeah, can we bring back the dog? I think it's a good segment. Again, Mars Pet, here's your perfect moment to sponsor the major moment of the game on the OTP. This show has been lacking in dogs. He was watching uh, HGTV when I took that picture. Uh, hmm, Really holding his interest. Yeah, what is he thinking about right there? I don't know. He's thinking about I'm out. Backsplashes. That's it. That's it. By the way, special teams. How about special teams in this game? Pretty special. Your guy, Darius Jennings. Darius Jennings setting the tone, I think. In the very beginning with his big return, what was it, 58 yards? 58 yards. 58 yard kickoff return. I mean. He's the leading guy in the NFL now. Right. He leads the NFL in kick returns. He's averaging 35 point, well, I don't have it on here, 35.9, I think. My man just comes out and does what he does. You know, there's not a lot of flash, not a lot of pomp and circumstance. Just here we go. This is my job. I'm going to do it. I like switching the ball later. over right there, too. Yeah, he yep. made a big impact. I mean, not, he made a big impact with that big catch in Dallas. Obviously, the mm-hmm. return mm-hmm. against the Dolphins over the season we went for a touchdown. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing that this staff has done is guys have he's been in the fine roles for certain players. And we saw Darius Jennings as a receiver throughout training camp, throughout the offseason. He was very effective, ends up impacting this game the most as a returner and uh uh, yeah, he, he's changed games, no question. Yep. And then the other guy who had a great special teams game and is emerging, getting to play outside linebacker too, is the rookie Sharif Finch. Yes. He's showing up, uh, making some things happen, and I think uh, Cordero Patterson might have run into him at some point. There he is, Ooh. 56, three tackles on special teams. He's a big man too. He's well over 250 pounds, and obviously you, you love to see that kind of energy an undrafted out of Temple that the Titans really went after. He was probably the undrafted free agent they pursued the hardest because some medical problems kept him from being drafted, but an incredibly productive player, and he's he's been well coached by Shane Bowen and and continues to show up on defense. Yes, he definitely has. He's learned from the vets around him, and uh, he's got an incredible story. I mean, he made this team. He's he's lost his father in training camp, and – uh, had to go, uh, you know, back for the funeral. I think he's one of either 19 or 21 Tw- kids. 21, 21 kids is mm-hmm. re- it's remarkable, and uh, so obviously he has great family support uh, and just worked hard to put himself in the position that he's in. And he's, uh, I think he's just going to keep getting better. Fantastic lower body for that position. You really have to have some strength. Uh, he can play the strong side with that lower body and take on the run. He can also rush the passer. Really a nice young prospect for this team. Mm-hmm. Part of their draft class that actually wasn't technically a draft class because yeah, they only had four that's, picks. That's right. That's right. So uh, you're, you're seeing – you like seeing contributions from guys like that. And, uh, you know, even though the sack numbers at outside backer are not maybe what uh, – you know what you hope they end up being at the end of the season guys who play that position definitely impacted games mm-hmm. 
All right, time for our other favorite feature, Amy Wells Wonders. Amy Wells is the executive producer of the OTP, and so she gets her own segment of the program <laughs> where she gets to wonder about whatever she wants. Amy Wells, go right ahead. Well, Mikey, what is – hey, look, I got a little open. Oh, that's Look nice. at here. This is nice. <laughs> that is nice. All right. Well, Mike, anyway, here's what I'm wondering. Did so, you pose for those pictures? <laughs> no, but that's really funny. Those are very old photographs. Is that right? That was years Glamour ago. shots? No. That was in the in the hallway waiting for practice to end in 2015. Wow. I'm told. Yep. So there we you were, go. We were actually waiting for 2015 was, to end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're trying to get I through 2014 and 15. Yeah. I think I was hiding this somewhere. This is much better. <laughs> <laughs> we're having more fun. We're now. having more fun. Anyway, here's what I'm wondering. Okay. I was listening in on a phone interview you were doing the other day. Me? Yeah. Our offices are right next to each other's mine. List is your spawn on you. And so, well, he's a loud talker. Have you guys heard his like radio calls? He's a loud fella. <laughs> so he had the door closed, and I was half had listening. Had the door closed. <laughs> Again, loud guy. So this is when she I know walked by she had that Dunkin' Donuts cup What's up to the door <laughs> trying to hear through. So uh, I listen, I know everything that goes on upstairs. She does. So what I heard was you were talking on some program about your top 10 Titans games and where this Patriots game fits into oh, that. Oh, I was do- okay, I was doing um the podcast with the guys Jimmy Morris and and everybody and Music City Miracles. Oh, and, I uh, didn't love those catch guys. the first part. Those guys do a great job. So yeah, I did. Uh, I, th- Jimmy had sort of pre-asked me just so I could think about it is where I fit that into where I fit Sunday into the all-time regular season games, and I said it's obviously in the top ten right now, but I don't think we will know where it is until the season ends. If you go on and win the division or something even better than that happens, this one might go right to the top because of the significance of it in that way. So it's definitely in the top ten. What would it be right now? I can't say yet. So what else is on that list? Oh, no. Not the the Jim Jim Wyatt Wyatt qualifiers. (laughs) The Jim Wyatt asterisk. I was wearing my Vandy visor at that one, (laughs) and I had three pencils. And... (laughs) You could have, if you put some qualifiers on it, you could have made it no, number no one. You could have figured that out. Yeah. No qualifiers. So, anyway, what I'm wondering is what other games were actually on that list. I did like, write them down. Is, did you yeah. really? See, I knew you would. I did write them down. I knew you would. So, do you want me to go through Yeah, do you have it? Yeah, we do have Whip it. Whip it out. We do. Uh, we, 99. So, I've got a number one, but I don't have, like, two through ten. I just have nine other games. Okay. Okay. That's so, not much of a ranking. Well, but, but it's not it's not a ranking. It's just a list of top ten. I do have a number one regular season game. Though. Okay. All right. So the first one I'll start with in 99 was at Jacksonville in the rain. Titans win 20-19 to 19 when Samari Roll makes an unbelievable catch. The Titans go to 3-0. and Titans had trailed in this game 17-7 to and come back. Neil O'Donnell's having to play quarterback because Steve McNair's out with back surgery. Eddie George scores the touchdown, which is just unbelievable. But the whole thing, I, and I mean, it was a downpour like we'd never seen. Mike Roan with a touchdown. Uh, and Jacksonville's picked to win everything that year. They're undefeated. They've got it. Well, the Titans go up 20-17. to 17. Jacksonville begins a drive late. Uh, Brunel is moving with the ball. He's making things happen. And he floats a pass toward the corner of the end zone. He's going for Keenan McCardell. And Samari Roll comes off his man and intercepts it. Mm-hmm. The Titans ended up taking a safety on the last play of the game. Time runs out. Titans win 20 to 19. That's a good one. Yeah. So could that, ba- barely see from the press box where I was sitting because the water was pouring down. And I don't know. We what lost, like, I do all these sheets, you know, and I've got sheets here, but I do all these sheets that I work with. So I know what to say. Rhett Bryan tells me what to say, and I look down, and I just read what I you know, have on the sheets. All those sheets were completely mm. destroyed. It was only the third game I'd ever done. Ooh. So I did the whole <laughs> second half with just nothing. Because oh, everything no. in the press box, because the water had blown in, was destroyed. That gives me so much anxiety. It was not fun. Ooh. All right, the second one on the list is uh, a Steve McNair favorite. Pittsburgh, 2000. 
Steve McNair has been hit a few weeks before and has been hospitalized with a sternum injury. And so he actually has to – that's Carl Pickens making one of his, like, two catches while he was with the Titans. Um, Carl Pickens was not with us very long. <laughs> but the Titans have blown a lead, and the Patriots – I should say the Steelers lead 20-16 to 16 late, and Neil O'Donnell takes a hit that you just wouldn't believe. He has no clue where he was. Eddie George has to guide him – to the sidelines, has to walk him off the field. Steve McNair throws one warm-up pass. He hasn't practiced in two weeks. Good. He goes three for three, converts a third down pass to Chris Sanders right off the bat, and then throws in the end zone to Aaron Kenny, who's a rookie at that time, for the game-winning touchdown. The most heroic thing I've ever seen on the football field. It's remarkable. I was on the field. That's back when they let you go on the field with two minutes left. I was standing on the field and watch all that happen right in front of me, and, and that definitely deserves to be in that list. It's one of the all-time great, uh, perfor- great, uh, you know, memories from Steve McNair and just his toughness. My favorite McNair moment. I mean, there there are a lot. There there's 2002 at uh, New York against the Giants. I mean, we could go on and on and on. 2002, Monday Night Football against the Patriots. Uh, 99, coming back from the back surgery. But my favorite was 2003 at Houston. Because he's been out. He's got the calf injury. And the Titans have led the whole day. They've led this game the whole day. And now they've blown it. Against Houston. And the Texans are in their second year. And... So, McNair, who would go on to win the MVP, can't play really the way he was playing earlier in this year because of the calf injury that he had sustained at Atlanta. Popped his calf. Was never was never quite the same. So, the Titans, who've had all these takeaways and had a chance to put the game away, haven't done it. It's a game that they need to win. They're still trying to win the division. You know, like I said, they've made some big plays in the game. Samari Roll scores a touchdown. But they fall behind, and they have to come back at the end. And McNair's taking them down the field. Every pass he's throwing going down the field is going to Drew Bennett. Every pass. But it's fourth and ten. And there's just nothing left. This is it. And he hits Drew Bennett in the end zone. And I mean a place that was shaking. Loudest place I have ever been, ever. Because this is going to be the Texans' first ever big win against the former hated Houston Oilers. Ah. Boom. Hmm. Not today, boys. McNair. Womp womp. Yep. I like it. Yeah. All right, let's run through the – you want to run through the other ones a little quicker? Yeah, go through okay, them. Okay, so – I'm just listening. Okay, so that's that's one. I mean, this is taking too long. I'm sorry. I get a little I get a little worked up. It's emotional. I get a little worked up. Put the next one up if you would, please. So the next one, and and this is it. The 99 yard drive, 5:58 remaining. Fisher and company trail Ken Wisenhunt and the Arizona Cardinals. It was to me Vince Young's finest moment. Uh, historically, it was such a big moment. I believe. Because not only did a lot of unusual things like happen, that. like <laughs> like the ball getting bounced up in the air, uh, intended for Chris Brown or intended for Jared Cook, and gets bounced up in the air, it goes to Bo Scaife, and Cook makes a play. Uh, Lavelle Hawkins actually had a catch on this drive. But end of the game, it's one play for the ball game. First time that's happened for the Titans in Nissan Stadium, one play, and Kenny Britt makes the play. Wow. Good job, Kenny. Uh, well, it was Vince Young threw a good ball, and Kenny Britt went and got it, and uh, it was it was really really something special. A 99 yard drive to win the game on the very last play of the game. Uh, loved that one. Loved that one at that moment uh, because wow. it, you know it just it just set the place on fire. That's and awesome. Th- and there was and that I can't remember what the name of that play was, but I, that had a play that play went off as executed but my memory on that is Vince Young was playing a lot of backyard football there he was he, not, he was not uh, they weren't necessarily running plays or he wasn't running the right play but he was making 
things happened uh, as that drive mo- kept moving down and the field. And Kenny Britt got the crap knocked out of him, too. Yes, he did. Yeah. Holding on to the ball was a big deal. Kenny Britt has another one. And I think Kenny Britt has the greatest single performance that I've seen at Nissan Stadium the next year. And that's why I rank this game on the list. Seven catches, 225 yards. So, Kenny Britt versus the Eagles in 2010. Uh, obviously, Chris Johnson was the star, and Kerry Collins was quarterbacking the team at this point. But I've never seen a Titans receiver go off the way Kenny Britt did in the fourth quarter of this game. It was so dominant. It was just unreal. Everything had gone wrong, and yet the Titans find a way to come back and win this game 37-19. to because of what Kenny Britt did. Wow. It was phenomenal. The the that's Kevin Cobb playing quarterback for the Eagles, throwing up that punt. Mm-hmm. Michael Michael Griff. Griffin with a catch. The recently retired Michael Griffin, who could run with the football. Yeah. But that's why it's one of my favorites is is the Britt performance there. Uh the next one is the the catch by Justin Hunter against San Diego. Oh, that's a good one. Love that one uh, more than life itself. <laughs> oh, Tru- no. Truly do because uh, it was the only time we beat the Chargers, finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, Great moment for Jake Locker. Great moment for Justin Hunter. The two best uh, moments or the best moment for both of those two players. That was Justin Hunter's first catch, wasn't it? First His career first, catch yep. was for, for a touchdown in, in winning that game. Uh, obviously, the two plays this year, uh, the Philadelphia play, uh, the Philadelphia game itself, and then the the New England game, and then the mm-hmm. other one too, uh, the kick on the Arrowhead at Arrowhead, oh, 2016. Ryan Suckup, mm-hmm. the meaning of that moment on that day, the significance of that kick, which kept you in the playoff race. Actually, at that point, put the Titans at the top of the playoff race. The fact that it was four degrees, uh, everything. I mean, it was just a classic. Slugfest, you give up the touchdown to Tyreek Hill early in the game, and then, you know, th- it's it's almost like then the game is on. And the Titans have all these problems all during the game, and they keep battling, and they keep fighting, and they keep grinding. And the Chiefs' former kicker, the Chiefs' former kicker is called on to try to beat the man who cut him. <laughs> on a day on a day where a kicker shouldn't have any right to make that sort of kick uh the the Titans you know through the LaShawn Sims interception and through Mariota completing a huge pass to DeMarco Murray to keep a drive alive on fourth down and then Derrick Henry scoring they just they just hang in there and get the ball back one more time and Andy Reid takes the timeout, and, you know, everything goes with it. The Titans had actually gone for two trying to take the lead, and it didn't work with 3-12 to go. Um, just, a, just a moment that if you like athletics and you like stories, this is as good a story as it gets. Yep. And I remember being shocked seeing the ball still over the crossbar because it was so cold and the – you, you knew that the ball was probably had to be like a kicking a brick, and uh, so for it to drop over, I remember from where I was sitting, it was pretty much right in line with the goalpost. I was I was shocked to see it, and uh, that was an inc- incredible win. So that's a you bring back some good memories with some of these uh, some of these games and some of these highlights. Did you keep this to just regular season games? Regular season so. games, yeah. Just, Always looking for the qualifier, yeah. Jim Wyatt. <laughs> My number one though. Is still, and it involves a kick. My number one regular season game is December third, two thousand six, against Indianapolis, and the the reason is the Rob Barona sixty yard field goal to win the game. Mm-hmm. It was at a time where the Titans were still kind of charging forward behind Vince Young. It was against the Colts at their best. The Titans trailed in that game fourteen to nothing and came back and tied it 17-all. Fisher outmaneuvered Tony Dungy to kick the field goal because he forced Dungy to take his last timeout so that if the kick was missed, they wouldn't have a timeout for Peyton Manning at midfield if they got the ball back. Baronis makes the kick. And the other thing, too, is the Colts go on to win the Super Bowl. 
It ends up being the Colts' only Super Bowl team with Peyton Manning. So that, to me, is why it's most significant, which is why if the if, if something good more happens after this for the Titans, it potentially makes it even more special. Yeah, I get that. You want to beat them when they're at full strength. That's it. I get that. All right, let's mm-hmm. talk current Titans right now. Thanks for letting me run through that list. That was fun. Yeah, of course. I hope I didn't take too long. You didn't take too long. We okay. could have gone all day. Okay. There's one more that I would have put on the put on the list, which was the win over the Giants when the Titans fell behind 21 to nothing. That's Pac-Man the Jones. week before that. Yes. Yeah, what a season that was because you could pick – probably three or four from yeah. that season. Well, but you know, Jim, this is my list. So. <laughs> Jim, next week we'll ask so back your off. list. You next know. week I'm going to wonder no, something here's what for Jim. Here's what will happen. <laughs> we have to start they'll listening be, to your phone calls. Mysteriously, there'll be a letter to the mailbag from <laughs> Hank in Hohenwald. Love you, Jim. Thought Mike Keith's list on the OTP was boring. Could, could use some work. Really, really overdone. Not enough qualifiers. <laughs> Since you are <laughs> you please the give great us a Jim Wyatt, hashtag JGTGJW, <laughs> would you please give us your list? Uh, yeah. I need to go check the mailbox. See if Hank from Hohenwald's yeah. come through? Oh, <laughs> could happen. Goodness. There's no doubt that could happen. Man. Uh, Wednesday practice review. Titans got back to work yesterday uh, getting ready for the Indianapolis Colts, and they are trying mm. to turn the page very quickly. But keep this team not only prepared, but keep them fresh. Absolutely. It was kind of a boring practice (laughs) by my standards. I want to see some excitement. I want to see some moving around. But They're moving around. They're definitely moving around. But I think that Coach Vrabel is really smart in trying to keep them healthy, trying to keep it light, have them be very cerebral practices, lots of – you know, kind of testing their knowledge of what they've learned in the classroom as opposed to just beating on each other. I get it. I like it. I think it's good. Just not super fun for me to watch. Yeah, and I think some of it could be because this is the way the practice looked last week. Obviously, it was coming off a Monday game against Mm -hmm. Dallas, but it was a walkthrough that Wednesday, a very light practice. I think he's, you know, I don't know that he's necessarily superstition played into what happened yesterday, but I think certainly you look at that and say, okay, we can find ways to be successful without getting on the practice field and wearing each other out. I think guys to watch, it's always hard to tell uh, injury statuses in practice like this because, you know, they're just not doing a whole lot. But the guys I'm obviously most curious about this week moving We want to throw up the injury report here. I know it's Mm -hmm. a a section early, but if we could throw that up, then, Jim, you can go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, I I would say the ones – Dave Fluell is not going to play in this game. Uh, Levin's deal with an illness. You hope that clears up. I think Spain in his ankle, uh, Taewon Taylor in his foot, uh, Jack Conklin in his concussion. Those are the ones, I guess, to monitor most. I think Morgan, I mean, and talking to him in the locker room yesterday, who's dealing with the shoulder, he, he was held back. I mean, I think he felt like he was in a position to play. Mike Vrabel wanted to give him an extra week. I would expect him to be back and be a go uh, on Sunday in Indy. But, uh, I think we'll have a better read on some of these today when they really get back after it and what I hope is another indoor practice. Uh, you're voting for that. Yes. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Conk- I think there's a good chance Conklin plays. Yeah, which I hope would, so. Which would really help, especially if Spain can't go, because then you have the flexibility of Dennis Kelly. And, and maybe you choose to play Levin there. I don't know what you choose to do, but you just want to have as much flexibility as you can. Well, we knew that Jack was going to go a little bit later because – he had to get through the concussion protocol and he had to have the time to actually get through it on a short week. That's a hard thing to do just because of the amount of steps and the amount of things that you have to clear. So yeah, I'm hopeful that he'll be able to come back with flu down. uh, Dalen Dawkins gets called up from the practice squad for the second time this year. Yeah. And, and I think that's probably more insurance than anything else. Uh, It's unfortunate for, for flu Ellen, because I think he'd obviously earned an opportunity to get some carries. And I thought he provided a quick burst and a spark. And then he, he has an injury where he was untouched and that you can tell uh, it's going to maybe be a little bit before he's able to be back out there. Uh, But good for Dawkins hanging around. And uh, he's been here very familiar with what's going on. Uh, I'm curious to see moving forward whether Derrick Henry's performance, you know, Mike Vrabel talks so much about guys earning more opportunities. I thought Derrick Henry ran as well as he'd run the football here in a couple of weeks uh, against the Patriots. So it wouldn't surprise me if he gets 
involved a little bit more. Want a good Derrick Henry stat? Sure. Best performance for him, 2017, 210 yards in two games against the Indianapolis Colts. Well, I'll take that. He was, I think, the third most effective back in terms of yardage gained against a team. It was him against the Colts last year, so that's a good sign. Well, let's do that again. Let's do that again. All right. That's that's exactly right. I'm in. Uh, AFC South. Houston was off last weekend, and so the Texans continued to lead the division at 6-3. and three. Um, The Titans right back in the middle of it at 5-4, and four, and 2-0 and oh in the division with their third game in the division. The Colts could go to 5-5 five and 2-1 five and, and, and tie the Titans with a win this weekend and actually take the head-to-head. Uh, the Jaguars... And so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Texas, I, I don't know what's wrong with them. I can't understand that one. I don't they care, really. I, I understand. Sorry. They can't put it together, though. Texans are at Washington. Titans are at Indy. Jaguars are at home against Pittsburgh. The rematch. So that's and, – and when you look at what's coming up, we start to sort of – as we get to the 10th game for everybody, as we get to week 11, it's time to start kind of peeking ahead. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, next week – there's what you see in terms of the, the division in November. And we go to next week. Jacksonville um, actually, let's see, Jacksonville's at Tennessee on the 6th. Miami is at Indianapolis. Uh, Jacksonville's on the road. The Tennessee is at Houston that week. And then we get into December. Indianapolis at Jacksonville, Cleveland at Houston, the Jets at Tennessee, then the Thursday night game that I just mentioned. Yep. Uh, Jacksonville at Tennessee followed by a big Indianapolis at Houston. So we're all getting ready to see each other once again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's on now. It's time. But this is the exciting time. I think the the rematches and the second time that you meet up with a division opponent, that's when the big, tough, grind-it-out, do-or-die games are. Week I'm fif- very excited. Week 15, everybody in the South is outside of the division. And then when you go to week 16 – uh, the Titans play host to Washington on that weekend. Mm-hmm. And, again, everybody's still outside of the division until week 17, Indianapolis at Tennessee, Jacksonville at Houston. This is when you start playing the would-you-rather uh, right. you know, game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Would-you-rather this team win or this team win? And it's hard to tell because it's such a week-to-week league. You never know what's going to happen. You can't help but look at, at teams you're competing against either in the division or in the AFC for spots. You, 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 it's hard to tell, uh, you know, how these other teams' schedules and results are going to play out. Like I, I'm paying attention to the Bengals and paying attention to the Ravens. I think I think uh, the Chargers are a given for one of those wild card spots, but I think uh, the AFC South runner-up is in a position to I get one. I will say one. this: Don't be surprised if the Chargers win the AFC West. Yeah, I can see that. Don't be, especially if the Rams beat the Chiefs this week. which is now in Los Angeles, don't be surprised if the Chargers, not the Chiefs, win the AFC West. Hmm. Not not a prediction. I'm just saying keep it in mind because everybody's just thinking the Chiefs, the Chiefs, the Chiefs. They're not thinking about the Chargers. The Chargers have a very favorable schedule. And Hmm. they play the Chiefs on Thursday night. I think it's December the 13th in in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Uh, But they – People win in Kansas City sometimes, as the Titans know. <laughs> now, I wasn't was saying nice. it like that. I was that just was saying a little <laughs> that you're, I got it. you're in that today. I, I am. I'm a little feisty today. All right, so uh, as we wrap up the program, uh, we're going to talk about social media first. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a little something coming up tonight. We're going to talk about how famous Mike Keith is. Okay, i got a little something coming Woo-hoo. up tonight. If you follow Jim White at J. White Sports. Amy Wells at Titans Amy. That's A-M-I-E. And we want you to subscribe to the podcast. Yes, please. Go to titansonline.com slash podcast and subscribe. Google, play, mm-hmm. iTunes, wherever you subscribe so you can take it with you. We would love for you to do that. Tonight, I'm getting to do something really fun that Jim Wyatt has already done. You guys are so cool. You get to do all of these cool I get to be a guest things. On the Ben and Maury show. Do we have the promotional poster? Do a, we have that? A guest on the Ben and Maury show, which is uh, something that I think those guys. Uh, I think there those, it is. Yeah, I think Third Coast Comedy tonight, eight o'clock after Titans tonight with Eddie George. 
He's our special guest with Kenny Vaccaro. I'm going to go over there. You've done the show before. It is. Those guys are funny. and uh, I think they're great. They, yeah, they have good humor about them. Uh, sometimes use a little colorful language that you won't be able to use, so you're going to have to resist. What do you mean? You know? I won't be able to use it. Yeah, I'm I on my own time, yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Say what I want. <laughs> if you take I, may, it, I may get out there and kind of – I may go crazy. Yeah, well, they took it to a, they took it to a level I didn't feel like I could cross. Uh, it took it to a line I felt like I couldn't cross, and I was on there. But they're very entertaining. Unfortunately, I was on the show the you know, same the day. As, starting, right? Okay, so I'll be quick. I was on the show the same night as the National Humane Society guy was there with his dogs. So I got upstaged by a bunch of dogs. Uh, Which is what we're trying to do on yep. this show too, with the major moment of the game. Are you noticing a trend there, Jim? <laughs> hmm. So we'll be, be who's the other guest with you tonight? I, I, I don't know. Snake okay. charmer. <laughs> maybe, 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 a, maybe a juggling uh, seal. Wow. Mm. Could be. Upstate. All right. We have run over time. We're all going to be fine for this. <laughs> but we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for Amy Wells and the great Jim White, I'm Mike Keith. Thanks for being with us on this week's edition of the OTB.